Gotta be tough, gotta be strong Gotta be right, can't afford to be wrong It's hard to shake the blues when you're reading bad news every day You worry too much for one couple to bear Hunger so much for one person to care Fooling our family, we're fooling our friends Pray that the pain and the frustration ends Hope is a chance, hope is a dream Hope is a drug Hello, how are you guys doing? This is uh, episode 5, the Just Living Life with Cystic Fibrosis podcast How are you guys doing today? Hope you guys are having a great day And enjoyed episode 4 of just the basic CF um, topics uh, I know it was kind of sloppy. Um, was trying to like look stuff on, up on my phone for facts and stuff like that as I was, um, pot as I was uh, podcasting at the same time. But did want to cu- um, clar- clarify a couple things. Uh, I referenced a podcast in there and actually misnamed it. It's um, actually. Long story short, I said long story too short. Too short's a rapper in, from California, not a um, not a podcaster. <laughs> so it's a uh, long story short. Also, the second thing is I said I would con I was going to go to Great Strides Hike in Huntington Beach, and I was going to contact uh, talk to the CF person and ask about uh, how much of the money actually goes goes towards CF. Um, she quite didn't have an exact amount, but she said, yeah, it's about like 86 cents of every dollar that people donate to the CF Foundation goes directly back into research and um, finding new medications and stuff of that nature. Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to clarify those uh, since I flubbed up. And then obviously, since I said I was going to find out to make sure that I got the correct um information properly for for uh for the donation page because i know that's like super important because that's obviously like a pretty high amount for as far as how much of your money actually goes back into like research and stuff like that um so yeah so anyways now that we got that all squared away um wanted to uh start this podcast so this week i actually have a guest my first and my first guest of the of the podcast um, if you follow me on social media, Justin Living Life on Instagram, or if we're like actual friends on Facebook, um, also I have a tw- uh, also I have a Twitter where I post like CF things oh, and and Padre things, and that's also uh, Justin Living Life, same as the Instagram. But anyways, um, yeah. So my guest today is actually. My ex-girlfriend, um, she's actually been bugging me to come on this podcast, so uh, decided for CF Awareness Week, figured we'd do an episode on touching on dating someone with CF, and um, and go and go from there. So without further ado, um, this is Dr. Melanie Beasley. Uh, no, she's not like a doc, <laughs> uh, like phys- physician doctor, but she has her PhD in anthropology and is currently um, the Haslin postdoc fellow in the Department of Anthropology at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville um, for the Forensic Anthropology Center, a.k.a. I guess called the Body Farm. Um, So yeah, so anyways, 
uh, get someone to touch on, go go for go first and be like, do you do you remember like how we first met? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. I know it took a little bit of twisting your arm um, because I've been really excited to support you in this whole new uh, endeavor of yours of doing the podcast and raising awareness about living life with CF. Um, as far as like remembering when we first met, I was thinking about it and I couldn't pinpoint exactly when we first met because it was through both of our uh, mutual love and admiration for Pittsburgh Steeler and Penguins uh, games that we met at Bub's Dive Bar. But I started going there in around 2009 when I first moved to San Diego. And I mean, I remember seeing you at the bar and we had friends in common. But, you know, I just kind of saw you as a regular and we kind of all would cheer and high five <coughs> at sporting events. But I don't remember when we actually met. I think maybe the first time that we kind of hung out a little bit more was when our friend Mike's dog passed away and that day Mike was really sad and so I was at his house all day and we were drinking Sailor Jerry and I know that you came by after you get off work but by that time I had been drinking Sailor Jerry all day and I was basically passed out so I don't even remember you really like really talking to you um do you remember when we first really hung out for the first time uh yeah so I remember seeing you like you like you kind of meant touched upon is that like Steeler games at Bubs down here in Pacific Beach San Diego there's a shout out for Bubs but um yeah I remember like after that loss we like all kind of hung went to up to uh West End and then um yeah watched the watched the Chargers actually pretty much for all you San Diego fans and oh my god I said Chargers my bad um but anyways so uh watch the Chargers kick out the Steelers and then um yeah so we just proceeded to take continue drinking in our sorrows and uh doing doing some fire fireball um so I yeah so do you do you remember how uh CF cystic fibrosis came up during our uh like our initial conversation um I really don't because as you said we had been drinking so that was the last game of the regular season in December of 2013 and we weren't going to the playoffs. So we all were pretty devastated by the end of football for that year for our team. Um, and I remember that we were talking, but I don't remember about what, and I don't remember how CF first came up, but I do remember that you were talking about finishing doing one concert a month in that 2013 year. And I thought that was cool. And I thought, oh, my friend Kari likes concerts. Maybe they can hang out because she had recently been, oh, nobody wants to go to concerts with me and nobody wants to go to live music. Um, so I don't quite remember how CF came up. Um, and of course, I do remember my reaction to you telling me that you had CF because that was pretty memorable. Do you remember how I reacted? No. Uh, would you explain? Would you uh, mind explaining that to uh, my listeners? Uh, so again, like we had been having a lot of beers. It was Sunday fun day and, uh, you told me you had CF and I grabbed your arm and I just remember yelling, Oh my God, that is so amazing. I teach about CF in intro to biological anthropology. Like how cool. I can't believe you have CF. That's amazing. I was fairly enthusiastic about, uh, the fact that you had cystic fibrosis. So it was not like any kind of 
you know, subtle reaction to it. And I'm probably the first person that you'd ever met that was actually excited that you had CF. And so I remember that we talked about CF and, you know, Mendelian genetics over beers. If, you know, you all remember from like high school learning about Mendel and his peas and Punnett squares and different types of, you know, how CF is an example of a, a homozygous recessive trait. And so all of these things that I teach about in to college students, uh, I was just, it was exciting to chat with you about. And then, like you said, we had some more fireball. And I remember that Mike left and there might've been some time on the beach that we spent together. And then, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Uh, so we spent what, after that, we hung out, you invited me for New Year's, and uh, we started dating in January of 2014. So, yeah, I think that CF was a big part of why we first kind of had that first conversation, and it was so memorable, despite being really drunk on Fireball. Um, do you remember when we first started dating? I remember I asked you a lot about CF. Do you remember ever getting annoyed by all of my many questions? Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I, I guess I wouldn't really say annoyed. It was more of like actually like meeting somebody that actually kind of knew what CF was already. And so I guess kind of just being stunned about like, okay, you already knew some stuff and knew some uh, some like talking and bullet points and, and facts. So, yeah, so I was like, like, what else do I do? So I remember having this, this book. Um, I think it was called... Uh, growing old with CF. Um, and I was kind of like, here, just, just like read this book. It was it's like, I remember it's like a really short read and it pretty much just goes over like just a basic, like CF, CF, uh, facts and, and in like in a little bit in detail and stuff like that. Um, did you, did you find that book helpful after I gave it to you for, for you to read? Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, like I knew what I thought, thought I, well, I thought I knew stuff about CF. And I realized after you gave me that book that I actually really had just like kind of scraped the tip of the iceberg in what I would teach to my students. And I realized that there was so much more that I didn't know about CF. So the book was really helpful. Um, and I think that, you know, I really enjoyed reading it. And I remember, as you said, it was short. So I think I devoured the entire book in like a day, uh, cause it was a quick read and it had, you know, a lot of good general information, um, some of which I know that you highlighted in your last episode. Um, and I was just so curious about CF and like thinking about how as a biological anthropologist, how we teach an intro to biological anthropology when we're doing the section on genetics and Mendelian genetics and simple traits that we talk about with our students. I remember just thinking like, wow, I teach about this and I give CF as an example. And there's so much more that I didn't know about CF. Um, and so what became funny to me is that you really became a part of the lectures, uh, when I would hit that unit for te in teaching, um, I would talk about you and I would talk about all the things that I didn't know about CF. Uh, and I felt like the students became more engaged because of kind of the personal spin, uh, on the stories. And I think that really the book also helped because I remember like we had just started dating in January of 2014 and my birthday is like in the middle of January. And that was the last time you had to have uh, an IV and you were getting sick. And I remember like your back being so hot, like when, you know, I touched you uh, and you went 
literally on my birthday to get something called a pick line on my birthday. And I was like, what is a pick line? And I didn't know what that was. Uh, do you want to explain in better detail what the pick line is and how you had that, uh, had that done on my birthday all those many years ago? Uh, so yeah, so I guess, um, like a pick line, like you mentioned, like, yeah, I did get a pick line. So what it is, is, um, CF patients when they have an infection in their lungs are giving um, usually first is like oral antibiotics and if that doesn't work then it's on to uh, intravenous antibiotics which is obviously through like an IV um, a standard IV um, just with how strong the um, antibiotics are and everything a standard IV won't hold up to the uh, well I should say your veins wouldn't, won't hold up to the um to how strong these antibiotics are. And so veins like per, per se, like blow or like go bad. Um, like at least every couple of days. So instead of getting st stuck every couple of days, cause like the usual like CF regiment of, uh, IV antibiotics is like, tw uh, either like 14 days or like usually like around 21 days. I've seen some people go like a, a week, I've also seen some people obviously go a little bit longer than that just because doctors are trying to um, utilize different types of uh, antibiotic recipes to try to kill the infection that that person might be having. But in regards to what a pick line is, pretty much um, it, it's like almost like, a long, I guess, a long-term IV. So what they do is when I first started... Um, when I first, I remember when I f very first got my pick line and they told me about this thing and I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. I don't think it stuck with it again, stuck any, as many more times. So this is obviously when I was way younger, but, um, the IV person would actually have to measure, um, using like a, like a, like a kind of like a paper ruler they had and measure like about how long they thought, um, the, the, the tubing should go. Cause pretty much it goes from like underneath uh, your like the underneath your bicep into uh, they try they shoot it into a um, artery that go artery that goes uh, into the heart so the catheter the end of the catheter actually goes into um, one of the heart valves or pretty close to it and so you have to kind of have your neck neck tilted a certain way so that way it, it can feed through feed through properly through through there. And, um, but anyways, but yeah, so they actually used to have to, have to measure using like a paper measuring tape and then, um, and then you have to go into an x-ray before they could use it and to make sure it was placed properly. Nowadays, um, with obviously with like live imaging and live x-ray and things of that nature is they pretty much have, um, when I got it done on your, like on your birthday, as you mentioned, um, it actually, uh, they actually, with live, like I said, live imaging and stuff, they, uh, the x-ray, like, refreshes, like, so quickly and, um, allows the doctor pretty much, like, real-time, uh, placement, so that way, obviously, they can place you, place you with, whole, hopefully, only one stick and, uh, and make sure it's in the proper spot, and then, yeah, you're good to go. I mean, it's pretty much an outpatient thing for me. Um, I know like some CFers go through like the hospital and get it placed and then stay in the hospital for a little bit and then come, then come back out. Um, I prefer to just get mine in placed in, uh, outpatient, go in for like, take a half day, go in, have it placed and be good to go. 
after that. So actually, um, after I, I got my pick line place on your birthday, I actually um, went out for your birthday that night. Do you want to like touch about how like how you felt knowing that I had just got my pick line placed and it was your birthday and I was out and about still? Well, I mean, I knew that you must really like me two weeks into dating, considering that you looked really sick. And I kept saying, like, are you sure you want to be here? And you were very enthusiastic about being there. But I could tell, like, it had taken a lot out of you. Um, but I mean, it was great because you were, you know, you took care of me that night when I got slightly intoxicated and you were a wonderful DD. So that was awesome. Um, and I just think now after like three and a half years that we were together, uh, that you were really only sick that one time right when we had started dating but you're I mean I think people should like really understand like you are a relatively healthy CFer and have done a good job taking care of yourself and with all the running that you do and you know for me like that pick line had a kind of awesome silver lining to it which was uh your beard uh do you remember how <laughs> you had never thought like you could grow a beard and uh with the pick line you uh, found it uncomfortable to shave. And I remember telling you that uh, you should keep the beard and that if you wanted to break up with me, that you could just shave it off and I would understand. Uh, and I remember you telling me that, you know, you couldn't, didn't know that you could grow such a full beard. So for any of you listeners, you should really check out his Instagram page at Justin Living Life for some of his epic beard shots over the years. Uh, so that was to me the silver lining of that first, that pick line that I experienced. Um, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, um, besides the pick line, did, I mean, did the, did the book offer you any other insights? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I think the most inf interesting information uh, was learning about the high likelihood of you not having a, a vast deference. Um, as you mentioned in episode four, men with CF have 95% chance of not forming a vast deference. And the vast deference is a critical part of the male reproductive system, which transports uh, sperm to the urethra. And so the bulk of semen is sperm and other secretions from various other male accessory sex glands. So with the congenital absence of the vast deference uh, as being a potential feature for a lot of uh, CF men, uh, it meant that your semen had a 95% chance of being baby-free sperm. And uh, as we called it, it was the, you know, no baby sperm. And so as a woman and not ever being a fan of taking the pill, uh, when I read this in the book, I was like, wait a minute, I might not have to take the pill. This is amazing. Um, because, you know, at the time I was kind of against having a baby during my uh, PhD program. I know that some people do it and that's great for others, but I had no desire uh, to have a, a baby while I was finishing my PhD. Uh, and so when we started dating, I went on the pill, but I am, you know, pretty lazy and I'm kind of a slight hoarder. So I remember that at the time I didn't go to the doctor for a new prescription, but rather I had one packet left from the last time I had been on the pill. So when I read the book and I realized you might have baby free sperm, it brought up the question of whether you had confirmed your fertility status and, at the time, we had, we had only been dating about a month, and I remember that uh, my pills were running out, and I was concerned about asking you if you had been tested for your fertility status uh, and whether or not you were part of that 95% of men without a vast deference, um, because I really didn't want to continue taking the pill needlessly. 
Uh, so I remember being nervous about asking you about your fertility status because I didn't know if it was like a sensitive subject. I didn't know, had you not been tested because you didn't want to know your status or had you not been tested because, you know, you wanted to keep it an open possibility of having kids or had you just not been tested because nobody had ever asked you to be tested. Um, so when I finally brought up the topic because I was kind of overtaking the pill, like it was, you know, kind of that early on scary conversation. Uh, so do you remember why you hadn't been tested before? Uh, I think just because the percentage was so high that I was pretty much assumed that, that I was infertile. Um, and actually I did actually speaking of like episode four, um, I did touch on it. I guess it's, yeah. So I guess it's like 95 to 98% for men, but, um, it's also only like, I guess around 20% for, for women that are affected somehow by a uh, CF and, um, them being ha- able to have like babies and such. But anyways, like I was saying, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I never, never really put too much thought into it because like I said, having in the high nineties percentage of, of it actually happening, um, High 90s percentage wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously you, like, forced me to get tested. So I asked my doctor forced. about it. Asked. <laughs> asked. Uh, so I asked my doctor about it, and he was like, yeah, sure, go ahead and get tested. Um, so, so yeah, so I obviously got tested. It came back like, yep, all right, you're, you're, good, you're good to go. So once I get that, got the green light and I was good to go, do you think that had any, uh, it, like, influence on, on our relationship as we were, as we were dating? Um, I think for us, not, it, I don't think it influenced us because both of us were on the same kit page about kids. Um, this might not be true for everyone who's dating someone with CF, um, how they would feel about that. And, you know, if some people, you know, kids is a huge deal breaker. Um, so it definitely is a conversation that anyone dating with CF should be mindful of. Uh, and as you said, in episode four with modern medicine, couples who want to pursue children have other options to have biological children with various fertility treatments. But, you know, for us, that was never even a question that we pursued at all. So we were we were fine uh, in terms of our relationship. And, you know, for me, the question of the no baby sperm gave me insight kind of on how you approach living with CF. Um, you always have such a positive attitude about life and you never let CF stop you from doing things or pursuing your dreams or with all of the half marathons, uh, that you run. I mean, I was there to witness when we were dating, uh, in 2015, like, you know, witnessing and supporting you during your effort to run a half marathon a month. And so for me, it was getting to watch you set that goal and pursue it and successfully accomplish that goal. That was so impressive and inspiring. Um, and so I just think that, you know, seeing how you approach all of the, you know, uh, factors that might come up because of having CF, you approach it with such a positive attitude, despite, you know, me asking, not forced, ask you to (laughs) check your fertility status, that it meant that, you know, any of the good stuff or the bad stuff that, you know, happened during our relationship, that your positive attitude and how you approach living with CF, was always something that, you know, I could admire and respect, um, with how you handle anything that comes your way. Sorry, you caught me, caught me there mid drink of water. Um, Sorry. 
No, I mean, I obviously uh, appreciate you being like super supportive, obviously being there for me at like times when I was had my pick line and then obviously like during all my half marathons and or anytime I was like down or anything like that, you were always like really, really supportive. And I great I greatly do appreciate that. Um, is like, so you obviously mentioned me being like overly positive and having a great attitude with, with my, with my CF and, and things of that nature. Um, was just curious. Um, did you ever, uh, did you ever have any questions like, or the questions about how, like I approached how I, how I live with CF? Um, yeah, I think for me, um, two things kind of stick out in my mind. Um, first was I had to get used to your approach to your treatments and your medicines. Um, because being a scientist, I I felt very regimented about how you should be approaching taking your medicine. And initially, like if we had plans, say if we were going to a baseball game or if we were doing, if we were already out and we were going to eat, but we were in my car and not your car and you didn't have pills with you that you always take before you eat, you know, or if you ran out of time to do your treatments, um, you know, I would freak out because I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. You need a, you need your pills. You need to do your treatments. And so I kind of had to let go of how I thought you needed to manage your CF, uh, and realize that while you not, might not always be diligent, that obviously you are living a very healthy life with CF and you've had CF your entire life and that you were an adult and you can make your own decisions, um, of when you could or could not miss a treatment or when you could or could not take a pill late. And I just had to trust you, uh, to make the best decisions for you. And so while I nagged you a little bit, you know, and that way you knew I cared, uh, it was still letting go of, you know, how diligent you wanted to be about your treatments. Um, and then the other thing that, I, that stuck out to me that kind of seemed odd is a topic that I realized, uh, would never be something that you and I approached in the same way. Um, do you want to do this kind of is related to one of your tattoos on your arm? Uh, would you care to explain to everyone what the tattoo, uh, on the outside of your right arm is? So, um, so yeah, so like if you dig way down deep on my Instagram, I have a picture of it. Maybe I'll I plan on doing like a since CF awareness month, I was going to do a picture of like, actually I have two tattoos, but like the, the one that you like touched on, um, I know there's a word for it. I, uh, I forgot the word for it, but, um, like if you read it one side, it says cherish life. And if you read another on the other, if you like flip kind of like flip my arm upside down ish, um, it says, uh, accept death. So, um, I think with like CF, with like people with CF in general, and um, I kind of like touched on this with a on a on a post I did on my Instagram yesterday, is that um, like we we tend to look at like po- like life as overly positive, so like we um, are trying to like cherish as much time as we have um, on like I guess on Earth, um, for lack of a better term. Um, cherish life as much as, as we can and do just as much as we can to, to fit into what can easily be just a, a really short lifespan for, for some. I mean, like I think I mentioned in a few podcasts, obviously I'm very like fortunate and humbled to be um, 
where I'm at with CF. Um, yes, I do, obviously do take Oklahoma, but I mean, even at that, I mean, even before Oklahoma, I mean, I was still blowing like in the 70, at least in the seventies for my PFTs. Um, so yeah, so I happened to like come across this tattoo as I was like, just looking at tattoos online and, um, I was like, oh, that totally fits like this, this, the CF persona. And it kind of like, um, fits, fits my line of thinking. So it's like. I cherish my life and cherish like how much I have, how much time I have, um, with this. Um, and therefore like when my, my time is, my time is done. I mean, obviously I'm, I have to accept it. And so, um, and so that's obviously something I don't like look forward to, but it's also something that that's very like real in the back, backs of the minds of people with CF is, how much, how much more time do, do I have? I mean, obviously as a, an adult, you can also think that way too. Um, cause tomorrow, tomorrow could be easily be anybody's last day, but obviously with CF, you, you know, there's, you know, there's a, an end, um, and that something's, something's like pushing you towards that end a lot quicker than maybe you're, you're quite ready, ready for it. Um, so I mentioned a second tattoo it's underneath my, um, my four underneath my bicep and um it's uh it just says it's just a, a just breathe it's a ribbon um it's not all purple it's purple ish i would say um so like i said i'll probably post a picture in a couple of days of both tattoos with the explanation on my instagram uh justin living life um and, ex- and explain and kind of explain both of those and like why i got them and it's funny like going back to the pick line is I remember getting the, uh, just read on my, on my under bicep because, uh, it was actually around the time that I was actually getting a pick line and I was like trying to work with my tattoo artist on, cause I had just gotten that out. I had just gotten the outline done. I was like, well, should we color this? Like there's a, there's like a tape and there's like alcohol and stuff like that that goes on it. And so we just decided to actually just color it after I got uh, the pick line taken out. So, um, so yeah, so that's a little bit of story behind the second tattoo. Um, so obviously you, you mentioned the tattoo on the uh, on the outer bicep um, about uh, just cherish cherishing life and accepting death. Uh, did is there anything else that like you perhaps didn't understand on? like how I approach like living, living with my CF. Well, the reason I brought up the tattoo is that was the second thing uh, about how you approach living with CF that confused me Um, is in 2014, when the movie, the fault in our stars uh, about the girl dealing with lung cancer came out, you asked me to go see it. And it was really important to me. And you said that while it wasn't about someone with CF, uh, that it dealt with a lot of the feelings of not breathing to one's fullest capacity and you really wanted to see the movie and you felt like a lot of people in the CF community were talking about it. Um, and so I thought, like, so we went to see the movie and I thought after the movie we would have some deep, meaningful conversation about death and dying and disease and funerals and a lot of the things that were covered in the movie. Um, because as a biological anthropologist, for you know most of my adult life as someone who studies skeletal materials of, of modern and prehistoric people and death and rituals. Like it's a very comfortable topic of conversation for me and my friends. We're, you know, constantly talking about 
what we will do with our bodies when we die and will we donate them to science? Will we donate them to places like where I'm working now, um, where they do research um, at the at the Forensic Anthropology Center here, uh, as you mentioned earlier, also what's known to the public as the body farm. Um, and so, you know, for me, like at the time, because I'd also had like my grandmother had passed away and at the time my uh, adopted father was was sick. And so conversations of end of life care and funerals seem like just common topics. And with your tattoo, I thought, oh, OK, like, you know, he has this tattoo of cherish life, accept death. And the themes of the movie would result in some kind of really interesting, you know, meaningful conversation that we would have about your kind of lived experience. Uh, and I remember walking hand in hand with you out of the theater and asking what your thoughts were about the movie and the funeral scene and what you had thought about, you know, your funeral one day or your end of life kind of plan. And instead of the conversation I was prepared to have, you didn't want to talk about it at all. And you kind of, sh I remember you kind of shut down uh, and you very clearly stated that you did not like to think about those things um, and that you focused on the positive and all the good things and making the most of all the days. And it was really the cherishing life part of that tattoo that was more the focus of what you thought about. And, you know, I didn't push you and we didn't ever really have that conversation because I realized that that was part of how you dealt with living with CF um, and that the essence of it was your positive attitude and your positive outlook on life. Uh, and so I think for me, like when you date someone with a disease like CF, those conversations have to happen on your own terms. Um, and that with you being a relatively healthy CF or the time for that conversation never really came up while we dated. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like I kind of touched, touched upon before is, yeah, I mean, I guess I, um, I guess it's part of like, I guess, cause my conditions, I guess, less, less severe, um, per se. So I easily can accept the, um, take on the, the positive, the positive attitude and, the, um, the, the, like, yeah, just like, look, look at like, here's someone like living in CF that's 38 and like trying to show others. Soon to this, be 39. Thir yeah. Soon to be 39. Um, so yeah, so take, look, take, have, take a look at, at it that way that, I mean, like, I, cause I know obviously like CF, like CF, with CF people sometimes, depression um runs runs ex ex extreme through people with cf and um and things and things of that and things of things of that nature so so yeah so i mean it's easy i i sometimes think it's easy easy for me to have an overly positive attitude about it because um because of how i how my cf is going but I mean, also on the, on the on the flip side, I've also seen people that are worse off, but still have pretty much the same attitude that I have. Is or I think is like 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 I mentioned earlier in this podcast is I think it's pretty much like a CF trait. Is um, is you kind of have like this overly positive podcast because you you definitely don't know you definitely don't know when when you're when that time's coming. So you're just trying to like per se as cliche as it as it sounds live try to live your life to the fullest. So in terms of living your life to your, the fullest, I know you've had many girlfriends before me. So what were your experiences with other relationships before we dated 
Like, I know you've told me that all of your girlfriends have been supportive, but are there any stories or examples that stick out in your mind? Um, so I was dating someone, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, see, I've coughed in the way. Um, so I was dating someone, um, at the time, I think I mentioned this in episode one or two, but when I first moved down to San Diego, I had a, uh, a, a blockage in my intestines <clears throat> and had to go to, had to go into surgery for, so the person I was dating at the time, um, she was like right there when, when I woke up and obviously stayed with me like that, actually that whole, um, episode, that whole episode. And, um, from, from that, and then from there, and then obviously when I got discharged also kind of like was there and like super supportive of me. And another time I could think of is when, um, was when, uh, like I got my first like hematose hematosis episode, which is like for, for non-CF people, that's like CFers, if they, there's like an infection in their lungs, um, will start like kind of like coughing up blood. And then they're, and so, um, that had like been my first ever time. So I ran to the hospital and then, so they, um, they admitted me, even though they were just kind of like laughed at it, like, oh, that's nothing, but we, we'll, sh we'll admit you for a few days to just make sure it stops and double check, double check and everything. So, Obviously, by, like, the second day, I was kind of, like, over it, like, okay, I'm ready to go home. And like, no, he probably should still kind of watch you. And I'm like, okay. But anyway, so the person I was dating at the time obviously, like, stayed with me and, like, actually took time off of work and worked her, got her work to work around her work schedule to where she could pretty much be for, be with me there all the time. Um, be with me all the time while, while I was dealing with that, with that admission as well, too. Um, but like I've touched on now is like anytime I get a pick line or whatever. And, and in the case that you brought up is pretty much all that stuff's done outpatient, outpatient for me now. So I can pretty much just go in get it, get it placed and then go on just being, being myself. So how have you, I mean, obviously you've had really great girlfriends. Um, how have you approached the topic of CF with, your previous girlfriends, how did they take it? How did you first tell them about it? Did any of them act as excited as me about you having CF? No. So, um, so it's, so, uh, so no, I mean, obviously, like, I, like I mentioned before, is you kind of already knew what like CF was and like the basics and stuff like that. And then, um, <clears throat> and so with like other ones, I kind of had to like explain it. Um, and then try to explain it like how uh how um uh how like CF works and stuff like that. Um although I do remember with like one girlfriend, she did have a cousin that had CF and um I remember like one story she told me, unfortunately he took like the other extreme for people with with some people with CF is the the what was me approach um so she kind of already had like a grasp of, grasp of what cf was and and she saw like the other side she saw my side of it which is obviously over the positive side of it but she also saw somebody that kind of just gave up and didn't like really care and unfortunately like i guess really didn't take care of himself and things things of that nature but um but yeah so so yeah, I mean, it just usually takes like 
little bit of explaining. And then obviously, like, now that I have this book, I can just be like, hey, if you want a short read, read this book, and it'll tell you everything about CF. And if you have any, any other questions, I can answer from there. Because obviously, I just know CF from my own personal experiences, from what I've read, um, what, I've seen, what I've seen from others. And 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 how and how they view CF and like what they what they share about CF and like I said like just do reading and like research and things of that nature. So um, so yeah, so I just like give like a basic overall of CF, and then like and then I kind of like just go go from there. So now that we've uh, broken up since I moved to East Tennessee, and we're obviously still good friends. Uh, will you tell me about some of your dating experiences now? I mean, uh, at Christmas, I shared with you some of the gems that are on Bumble in East Tennessee. So, uh, are you on any dating apps? Yeah, so I'm, I'm on, I'm on a, I'm on a few like dating apps. I mean, obviously my, my dating like app stuff, the story that we had that time that you came out was, uh, not as, a uh, not as, um, interesting as, as, as yours. Cause you obviously live in California. So you know how like the California like life is and all that stuff. Whereas like, obviously now you're dealing with the, um, the Tennessee, Tennessee lifestyle. Um, <laughs> so, and just, and just you, seeing, just seeing how that, how that all plays out. Do you put that you have CF in your profile? I mean, obviously I haven't seen your dating profile, but I know you put CF in your Instagram and your Twitter account profile descriptions, do you do it on your dating profile? Um, so yeah, so I, I, I don't put, I have CF in my like profiles. I mean, obviously like there's a, lot, a few dating apps out there that will like link, allow you to link your Instagram and, and like, and stuff like that to your profile. And I usually like don't do that just because like, I don't want uh, potential, like I guess matches to be like scared away of someone front with with CF, obviously not un- understanding like what kind of like the approach I take with it, or like not even knowing like really what CF is. Um, so when so when you start chatting with a new girl, how quickly does CF come up? Do you do it over messaging, or you do you wait to be in person? Kind of what has been your experience, and what is your advice to other people with CF who are on dating apps? Um, so like my approach is like, I don't usually share it with like during messaging. Um, I usually obviously don't share like on the first like meetup or anything like that. I usually like wait at least for like a, at least a couple, a couple like meetups or hangouts and then like kind of go from there and like, just be like, Hey, here's a heads up. I, I have, I have this type, type of thing. So, um, do you have any final advice? for, uh, dating with C with CF? Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I guess everybody like obviously takes their like own approach to this. And like, I mean, I know some are probably like super upfront with, with like, with like, Oh, Hey, I have CF. Um, I have like thought about putting, I mean, just cause I, I know it is like important with like, like obviously looking at dating apps. I, know, I mean, I know it's some important with some people, uh, some girls out there is like being able to have kids so like I thought about actually putting out out on there that well I can't have kids so if that's something that you really like are looking forward, um, you could be perhaps barking up the wrong tree. I mean obviously with like in vitro and stuff like that it, it can still happen, but I mean 
I mean, unless you like until you go down that road. I mean, until they like find if they until they like per se go in there and it being like almost thirty nine. I mean, who who knows if that's actually even possible? So I've thought about like maybe giving like fair warning that I can't have kids. But other than that, that's other than that. I haven't really thought about too much except for um, except for like just uh, bringing it up in conversation after like a like a, a few meetups. Once I feel like maybe there's a click or or anything of, anything of that nature. Um. So I like. Like so, you, like you obviously mentioned that you like w- went out to Tennessee, and you said you obviously were like, you enjoyed like the the infertile like or, or as you call it, no, like no baby free sperm. So did you uh, start hanging out at, like CF clinics out there, like Vanderbilt and stuff, to to find you uh, a new a, a new CF mate? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I have found somebody else very nice to date, but unfortunately, no luck finding another CFer. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to dating, you know, anyone, whether they have CF or anybody else, you know, just some final advice is you just have to be there for your partner and to love them and support them through their highs and lows. And, uh, you know, just knowing that the CF or it might be some, uh, slightly saltier kisses. Yep. This is true. Especially after half marathons, when the salt really comes out, um, that's true. So, so yeah, so I think that's a, that's a wrap for this episode. I definitely want to thank uh, Dr. Melanie Beasley for, for mm-hmm. joining us today. Um, Thanks for having me. So, so we're saying it so professionally. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. I'm glad you could join, especially for uh, CF Awareness Month. I mean, I think CF and dating, I mean, I've seen it, seen it touched on a, like a, a couple of podcasts already. Is is a is a huge topic, and um, and then like like a couple of the po- like a podcast I listened to CF related, also like broached upon the like kind of like when you tell somebody, um, hey, I have I have the CF, and then like obviously that like goes into a lot deeper conversation of what that entails, or maybe they actually have heard about it, but they um, they are like, oh, you. Like, how are you still alive or aren't you supposed to be like dead now or, or things like that? And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's backtrack this. Let's backtrack this a little bit. Uh, kind of like the horse before the cart thing. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up episode five. I greatly appreciate everybody that's listening. And hopefully, I know we still have two more weeks of cystic fibrosis awareness month. So hopefully I can get one more guest in into the in, into this podcast um before the month expires um like i said thanks for listening oh one more thing if you happen to be in the san diego area and you need landscaping help contact my friend ryan barkley at uh barkley landscape he uh he actually donated to my extreme hike so i told him i would give him a shout out so if you randomly li- live in san diego and you need li- landscaping help for your property he can be reached at 619-669-8000. That's 619-669-8000. Like I said, he wanted to, he donated to my extreme hike. So I wanted to show him some love on the podcast and he, or at least get his name out there and show him my appreciation and help out his business, hopefully. So anyways, um, yeah, like I said, hopefully ne- in the next two episodes, I'll have at least one more guest. 
And this will wrap up episode five. Thanks for listening. Thanks to uh, Dr. Melanie Beasley for coming on this episode. Greatly appreciate it. I am out of here. Have a great day. Late. Gotta be tough. Gotta be strong. Gotta be right. Can't afford to be wrong. It's hard to sing the blues when you're reading bad news every day. You worry too much for one couple to bear. Hunger so much for one person to care. Fooling our family, we're fooling our friends. Pray that the pain and the frustration ends. Hope is a chance, hope is a dream. Hope is a drug, maybe hope's a vaccine. In a race against time, I get down on my knees and I pray. Shout at the devil, I curse the Lord. Offer them everything I can afford. Sell all my soul, I lie and deceive. Tried to be righteous, tried to believe. Prayed every prayer, kicked all of my highs. For hours I stare at those beautiful eyes. All of my problems seem to be melting away. The smile on her face says, Daddy, everything is okay. And the race against time. Down on my knees and I pray.